and I remember my mother saying this to me and it clearly left an impression because I remember it so many years later. She said princesses can be anything they want to be. You don't need saving, you can save your own ass, so get to it and do what you want. There are people in your life that you come across and meet who want to see you succeed so long as you're not succeeding more than them. A lot of girls are taught to grow up quickly. You said it can cause a burden on your shoulders. I'm a huge advocate of just going to therapy because you shouldn't just go in when you're like low. You should also go in when you're really happy. Really log into both sides of the feelings. It doesn't get talked about enough. It was only when I started coming out and telling people what had happened because I'm never MIA from the internet, but I was for a while. When I started telling people is when I realized, oh my God, this happens a lot more frequently. They're a lot more common than I thought at least. And that's when I decided to talk about it on social media and I said, you know what, I think I should put this out there because there could be somebody else who's going through a similar thing and, and is possibly feeling as lonely as I am. Because you can have the best support system and the best partner in the world, but that feeling is yours to keep, unfortunately. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Anam. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to Mumbai's Millennial Mind. Thank you. So happy to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. It's so funny because, you know, we've only just met like five seconds ago. <laughs> and I feel like there's already a good spark and a good energy. So I'm really excited to, to speak to you. For people who don't know who you are, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Anam. I go by Anam C on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a content creator for almost 12 years now. Wow. I started while I was in college. And I, funny thing is, I used to freelance as a social media person, but this was my hobby. Somewhere along the journey, things flipped and this became my career, became my whole and soul. And uh, I've been a full-time content creator for almost 12 years now. But over the last year and a half, I also launched my very own beauty brand. Wow. Um, Yeah, that's who I am in a nutshell. I, I met my husband because of my job. I've made some great friends over the years, over the decade and then some. Mm. And it's been an interesting ride. So when you said you were in college, what were you studying? I was studying mass media. So I was one of those kids that decided like right when I was in seventh or eighth grade that this is the course I want to do. And I stuck with it and I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. I know I belong in mass media in some way. Yeah. And then you started social media. What were you doing when you said you were doing it as a a hobby? So um, 
blogger at that point of time wasn't really a thing in India at all. Right. right? There weren't really very many blogs in general. So mm-hmm. I used to manage social media for other brands while I was still in college because I was one of those kids that I started working really early. Mm-hmm. I started working at 15, 16, which is really easy, which is which is really easy for India standards especially. Right. Because you don't see very many kids who for lack of any other way of putting it, who are privileged and who don't need to work, um, who wanted to work. I came from a fairly comfortable family. I didn't Got need to, but I was always one of those people who wanted to earn my own coin, wanted to do my own thing. I did several odd jobs across uh, four years of college. And uh, somewhere along the line, I realized that content and social media is something I was gravitating towards so much. Right. So local restaurants, brands, designers who now, you know, showcase at Fashion Week. It's so strange because I've managed social media for them. And wow. now I work with them in the capacity of, you know, a content creator on this side. Um, so I would do stuff like that for them. Mm-hmm. And then there was a student lifestyle platform called Cool Age. Okay. which uh, was recruiting, I think it was one or two writers from every college for the student lifestyle platform. And um, they got me on board to kind of, you know, be one of their writers. And that's when I realized, oh my God, I really love long form copy as much as I do shorter snippets on social media. There was no Instagram at the time. Mm-hmm. It was Facebook, there was yeah. Twitter. And for my food clients, my F&B clients, uh, your local apps where you order in from mm. was a really big deal because, you know, how you describe things over there, etc. is really important. So one thing kind of led to another. A friend of mine who didn't live in India, actually, at the time said, you write so beautifully for this other platform. And you, I, I would have a lot of fashion and beauty ideas mm. that they wouldn't pick up because mm. it was a student lifestyle-based platform. Right. And I was once venting to him about I have so many things I want to write, but they don't approve those ideas because it needs to be very lifestyle oriented from a student lens. Got it. And he was like, hey, you can kind of do this on your own. There's this thing that, you know, is done globally. It's called blogging. And I remember Googling how to start a blog or what is a blog. (laughs) And then as they say, the rest is pretty much history. How did you have the kind of confidence to, to do that? Because like you said, back then it wasn't really a thing, right? Even now with podcasting, a lot of people say to me, how come you quit your corporate job to do it? And I'm like, well, there's a blueprint out there. It's a little bit easier for me. There's not that many Indian creators that I know that are doing a podcast and kind of want to go in the direction I want to go to. But there's a lot of people who have a podcast that are going to then hopefully one day, you know, turn it into a show and then turn it into something else. And I think there is kind of a blueprint. There wasn't for you, right? There really truly wasn't because I remember having to look up famous bloggers at the time and the only names that popped up were like Man Repeller. Why? Um, from like, this is back in the day. I'm talking about <laughs> 2011. Okay. Um, right? There was Brian Boy. And there were very few names. There was no names in India. The only name I could think of was Miss Malini, who was really big. And had probably at that point of time started to turn her blog into a more corporate structure. And I said, hey, so it is something that's doable in the Indian space. But there aren't very many people doing it. But I will admit it wasn't a strategy from a career lens. It was more of a let's do this as a hobby and see where this goes. And from a monetizing side of it, I honestly didn't consider that at all. There was no blueprint. I didn't know I could make money out of it. I remember one of my initial collaborations was, hey, we'll send you two lipsticks and can you do a blog post? And I jumped with joy because I was like... 
they're gonna send me lipsticks to talk about them. Hell yeah! <laughs> of course, free stuff. And I spoke about this earlier. Free stuff at the beginning is so fun. Even free stuff now, I'm still so grateful for it. They don't pay your bills, obviously, right? Like free stuff doesn't pay your bills, but I'm still very grateful for for everything that I get. How did you take the leap then if you weren't monetizing straight away? Well, so because I was freelancing as a social media executive for the number of brands that I was and I Got was it. still in college, so I didn't have any financial pressure per se, right? Got it. I was I had stopped taking money from my parents, pocket money from my parents a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I was comfortable on my own because I had I want to say I had about seven or eight clients at the time. Wow. Yeah, so I was comfortable by myself because I had this roster of clients that I was already creating content for. Wow. So I could encourage myself, I could indulge myself a little bit on the mm. side of, hey, I can do this as a hobby. Got it. Somewhere along, I guess it flipped because brands started noticing, work picked up, and then I kind of had to prioritize, okay, where do I dedicate my time? What do I prioritize? Um, and the blog took priority. I mean, a couple of years in, and now I don't have any time to be a freelancer <laughs> or consultant or anything like that. But I love that too. It taught me so much. There's a lot of uh, taboo, isn't there, when women dress a certain way, put makeup on a certain way, that we're too much, right? And men won't like you if you're too much. Did you ever face any of that? Um, did I face it before meeting my husband? Yes, I did. Really? Yes, I did. In what way? Um, because. I mean, I feel like there are people in your life that you come across and meet who don't, who want to see you succeed so long as you're not succeeding more than them. Mm. I will admit I've been in that phase and I've been in a relationship like that before. But to me, I think uh, when I met my, when I met my husband, he, I was already a creator. I was already doing what I was doing. In fact, I had stopped freelancing as a consultant, right, at the time. But his company at the time, where he used to work, they wanted to bring me on board for a project. Um, to kind of spearhead this specific fashion pitch that they had going out. And I said, yeah, I'm so glad I did. Um, I think, A, by the time I met him, I was already in this phase where I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. B, and I'm not saying this out of love or bias, and if you meet him, you'll probably attest, um, he's one of the most chilled out, I don't care kind of men. Yeah. And I think if he wasn't, I don't think I would have landed up with him. Yeah. Because I've always been, uh, I, I, I come from the upbringing of so long as you know what you're doing and what you're doing is right, you do you. Really? I came from one of those families, although I come from a level medium orthodox Muslim family. Uh, my mom always said to me, you do what you want to do. So long as you know you're in the right, you're good. So long as you're feeling good about what you're doing, you're not, you know, uh, there's nothing to come back home feeling guilty about right. or something that you need to hide, you're fine. So mm-hmm. I have always had a very open relationship with my parents. They knew if I was out on a date, they knew if I was seeing someone, they knew if um, they obviously see what I'm wearing if I'm wearing. Yeah. They gave me no pressure to get married. They gave me no pressure. They've never given me any pressure of any kind. So I'm really, really grateful for that. That's so unusual. <laughs> I, I don't really hear that that much. I mean, in, during this series, I've heard that from a lot of people. But in the UK, I don't really hear of anyone not giving pressure to, to get married. Oh, I had zero pressure to the extent of which um, I was 24 when my then boyfriend proposed to me. Right. Uh, now husband. And we're 11 years apart. wow (laughs) we're 11 years apart and I remember my mom and my dad saying okay great you're engaged 
take your time stay engaged for 5 years if you want to and it wasn't just for me it was also for my older brother i have an older brother who he is, he is about 4 years older than me mm-hmm. uh he met his wife very early on they got engaged at when he was 18 i want to say and it was him who was like i'm proposing to her this is i'm done i'm locking this down and my parents were like chill why are you in a hurry so they stayed engaged for 3 years wow and then they got married so it's my parents are the most like chilled out parents i could have asked for honestly he's he's 11 years older than you yes gerard is 11 years older than me uh, how how uh, is there a difference do you feel it no there isn't some days i think wow. i'm the older one <laughs> no way so there's this funny story my mom always reminds me when this age topic comes up uh i was 15 or 16 when i said to her that mom i'm going to marry someone who's 10 to 15 years older than me because Guys my age were always just guys my age yes. and I've always been told without sounding like I'm tooting my own horn but I've always been told that I was very mature beyond my years. Yeah. And when you are mature beyond your years while it's great in general you can struggle a lot whether yeah. it's with your friend circle whether it's with trying to you know find a partner whether mm. it's with um it also it also brings a certain amount of weight that you carry on your shoulders that you don't realize so for a true. very long time um and i think that she jokes about it but i did land up marrying someone who is 11 years older than me and i'm glad i did because i wasn't looking i was never looking for a boy when mm. i was looking for someone you know what i mean and it was when i did have a really bad heartbreak i think i was about 21 at the time mm-hmm. um and i said this is it i'm done i just i'm not interested anymore and i closed my you know i shut my i pulled the curtains i brought the wall up you can call it whatever you want to and then i was still very much on my guard when i accidentally met him met him and he was would have been my first attempt at casual <laughs> dating landed up marrying the first guy i attempted to go on a casual date with so yeah so funny you um you touched on upon a really important point you said as a girl who is uh years above her maturity which i think a lot of women are by the way because i was told that a lot of my friends are told that so i think a lot of girls are especially if you're the oldest or you know you're the only girl in the family you are kind of taught to grow up quickly. You said it can cause a burden on your shoulders, which you don't often realize and it can have impacts on your friends or your relationships. What impact did that have on you and when did you realize the kind of burden on your shoulders? So the funny thing is neither am I the only girl around nor am I the older one. Wow. I'm the youngest sibling. Oh, um, interesting. Of just the two of us. Okay. So I don't think I can credit or discredit it to <laughs> that factor but uh, I just think I've always been a very patient person or a very patient listener mm-hmm. and when you are that person I think you tend to really don't you don't just hear what someone else is saying you truly listen in on what that person's feeling mm-hmm. um I don't think I have a specific moment I can pinpoint as to when I realized oh I'm carrying a certain amount of weight but when i did go to my first few sessions of therapy in 2018 um after a massive emotional you know lo- emotionally low phase i think i realized that i was carrying a lot more weight than i realized i was what was the low phase um 
if you want to talk about it no i'm i'm i live life like an open book um i had a really bad you know they say heartbreaks screw you up yes but what people don't talk about enough is that friendship heartbreaks screw you up in a special kind of way can i say mm. screw you up yeah you can okay. swear <laughs> i think friendship heartbreaks uh, screw you up a lot further than than what we talk about normally because wow. every time you think heartbreak you think romance right and you think partner and that kind of stuff so i went through one of those phases um that was going on for a couple of years and i think in 2018 i think climax um just kind of got to me and that's when i really started going to therapy and i realized that i was feeling a lot lighter than i had ever felt mm. yeah is therapy a taboo here or do people talk about it a lot They talk about it a lot. Oh it's a taboo. I, no, no, no. People oh. talk about it. Okay. And I find it I find that it's been one of the best tools I've had um and I'm really grateful to have been able to have uh to heal the way I've healed and to come out of situations. I'm I'm a huge advocate of just going to therapy because I often say you don't just you shouldn't just go in when you're like low. Yeah. You should also go in when you're really happy. Mm. So you really log into both sides of the feelings. Mhm. Um it's it's helped me come a long way. I I can say this for myself and a very close people in my life have you know have told me this over the years as well that I've I've become a lot uh, I've always been a calm person right. but you know that inner restlessness that you sometimes can't tie down mm. I feel like it's gone or Why? maybe going I shouldn't say gone <laughs> I shouldn't jinx it. <laughs> what, what what's been one of the learnings you've applied? Um learn to be kinder to myself. I think I'm very I'm someone who's always been very hard on myself. I Wow. I I I was I was actually recording a podcast episode recently where someone said to me that they learned it came from being being, you know, a good student, being academically well sets you up to think you'll always do well. Why? I thought that was a great insight. Um so yeah, I I think that I think that that somewhere set me up to think that okay I got everything and I don't got everything. <laughs> so I've learned to be I've learned to be kinder to myself. Growing as a content content creator, especially in the last few years has been so popularized, right? Everybody wants to be a content creator because they think it's really easy. Did you find it easy? Well, I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> for the first half. I'd like to you know, so I don't think it was easy because mm-hmm. there was no there was no blueprint, there wasn't a map. Um they also want like I feel like people that come in now have set goals and expectations and you can come in with you know level 10 production value yeah. which I think is a pro anacon because okay. I feel like you're also coming into a market that's a lot more prepared that's a lot more they know what they want to see yeah um it's also a lot more competitive in a way I guess especially when it comes to the commercial side the business side of things Whereas I feel like I had the privilege of making the mistakes I made and I got away with it because there weren't set expectations. So you know? true. Now when I see new creators and I'm a huge advocate for people becoming creators because I feel like it is one of the most beautiful uh, professions to be in because you really get to be yourself. You choose what you want to be mm. every single day. Mm. Um, what you want to talk about, what you want to use your platform for. There's it's a very unique space, right? Um and I feel like they come in with set goals whether hey I have this award on my vision board and I want to be at these many followers and subscribers by mm. this much time but then you're also adding pressure on yourself so I feel like 
there are things that are easier about it today but there are things that are so much tougher about it today as well because now you're walking into a full-fledged industry you're not walking into a space that's meant for creativity and secret sharing about hey you know i yeah. used to shop here and this is how i wear my makeup now it's about hey your video is great but you know what your lighting was off people love to comment and tell people how to do what so mm. i don't think it's as easy and i i think it's the i think the level of difficulty or competition and toughness is quite underrated no definitely have you found it really hard to kind of manage through those tough opinions how many followers are you on at the moment You know, I've not found it tough because I'm somebody really? who has yeah, I mean when you've lived on the internet for 12 years and been there since uh, before Instagram and before podcasts and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh you've really seen it all. Of you know course. what I mean? Um so I don't personally find it tough because I feel like over the years I've really developed thick skin. Do I have my moments? Yeah. I'm mm. not going to discount that. Um but I do think that I have thick skin and I also want to say that I have a very particularly loving community. I mm. don't get a lot of hate. I'm very grateful for that. I don't get a lot of hate. Wow. In fact, sometimes when I look at what my like the kind of comments my peers get and things like that, I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm probably even more careful yeah. of what I say and do because I realize that there is a lot of hate out there on the internet. So, I want to I don't want to attract that into my life at all." So then Are you being authentic? I'm very unfiltered. If you really? watch any of my vlogs, yeah. I am so unfiltered. I will get calls from my mom saying, "Did you really have to sit there in your night suit pajamas with no makeup and no bra and be talking about these things?" I'm like, "Yeah, cuz who the hell wants to be fully groomed at night at 11:30 before going to bed?" So true. I'm very authentic, but I'm obviously careful about the words I use. Obviously. As I am offline as well. So mm. it's not like I would just do that online. I feel like you know being woke and I use you know uh, air quotes because it's become a trend and people think you're only doing it while you're online but I feel like it needs to be who you are and we need to be more careful and more sensitive towards everyone. Mm. So if I'm trying to do that online I'm also very much doing that offline in my own life. Are there certain things you don't want to share online? Well, I share pretty much everything online. The only thing I probably don't deep dive into online is religion because I feel like that tends to polarize Indians in a whole new way. Okay. I talk about my politics online. I talk about the struggles of, you know, being um a woman breadwinner of the family online. We've talked about my husband and I have both talked about um joint decisions that we've made like for example, he quit his 21 year old a 21 year long ad advertising career in 2019 to join me and he works with me full time now no way um and the internet loves to share their opinions on these things okay so there's been a lot of that but we've honestly lived our lives like an open book like mm. i've talked about i've talked about my experience with experimenting with fillers i've talked about uh i talk, i talk about my politics like i said i'm quite yes. open about it i've talked about not wanting to have kids to wanting to have kids i've talked about i pretty much talk about everything, everything. because i feel like why have that filter a lot of people hide that they've had plastic surgery or had fillers or botox or anything like that why didn't you well each to their own i feel like if it's a secu- it's a genuine insecurity you have that right. you're trying to compensate for 
then that's probably not something you will be comfortable talking about for me while it was an insecurity i also felt like wait i'm i feel like i'm almost cheating my audience if i don't tell them what i did because i um i like to share all my beauty experiments mm-hmm. um so I, i like to talk about it i don't hold anything against anyone who chooses not to i do wish they did yes. but i'd like to think that there is i'm sure they have their own point of view on it um but i like i said for me i'm like this big fat open book and i'm happy to talk about pretty much everything i really love the way you shared that because there are a lot of people online and in person who are very fearful about sharing that they've had any botox or fillers and also very proud about it you know like i've never had anything done and there's this whole narrative but it's interesting because i think that there's nothing wrong with it it's like saying oh it's okay It's like saying some people who don't wear makeup and they go on and on and on about the fact that they don't wear makeup. I'm like congratulations. <laughs> Honestly, amazing for you that you don't wear makeup. You deserve an award, but I do and I and I'm okay with wearing makeup. But that's the thing. I kind of look at um fillers like makeup. Yeah, they are. It is it it does come off in 6 months unless you're, you know, maintaining it. But even um, if you do own it, who cares? But so here's where I come where I kind of have this is where my empathy kicks in Go on. for those of them who don't want to talk about it. Let's right. assume that I have really bad skin or I used to have really really deep set. I mean, I still have a super deep set, but I really used to have really bad dark circles. Okay. Okay. Um and a few years ago I tried under eye fillers which I didn't maintain and keep up so I don't have them anymore but I did. Okay. Um let's assume I didn't tell the world that you know hey I got these because they're my insecurity and I don't want to talk about them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if something highlights your own insecurity because you're like hey you know I got this mm-hmm. and you don't want to feel insecure about it so you mm-hmm. won't bring it up at all. And then in that it. case you're kind of backed up in a corner where if someone asks you you're so insecure about it where if someone asks you you lie because then you know it'll become a point of conversation. I get that. So somewhere I have empathy for the people that don't talk about it truly if it's out of, you know, a genuine yes. uh, insecurity that they have. If you're doing it out of vanity, just talk about it. Yeah. That's that would true. be great. I'm doing it out of vanity, so I'm talking about it. That's so true. It's like Kylie Jenner when she said that she didn't get her lips done, but she was genuinely insecure about it. Um or Kim Kardashian, I think she was asked point blank when uh, they went to the Met Gala last year and she was asked what she did the time she talked about having lost a certain oh, number of yes, kilos and yes. and she said it was not eating come on yeah. you obviously did what you did i mean at least allegedly we should say um but i love when chloe kardashian said it in one of their season finales before they started the new show and she said we we all go to the same doctor so just throw it in there mm. nobody is i mean yeah sure the world is getting into the details if you're a kardashian yeah <laughs> just yeah it would be nice to normalize it i know? think so i think people still don't normalize it and people are very judgmental about it as well and i think you should look at it as makeup look we all we all want to feel good we all want to feel our best and if you want to get work done then get work done and if you don't want to get work done then that's fine i think we need to remove ourselves from this oh i don't wear makeup oh i'm so natural oh i'm you know beauty is 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 like in one way i think that's completely untrue that's also because i think everyone has their own set beauty standard like yes. when you look at uh, i'm i'm like let's look at actors or influencers on social media like you and i people love to tell us when oh my god like i get this for example oh my right. god your lips look so great because i did have my lip fillers done recently mm-hmm. they look so much better now and in my head i'm like if 
I'm like, wait, now this means that I should keep it going. Why? But then what if I change my mind? These comments will come and haunt me in a different way. Mm. You know what I mean? So I feel like if we normalize it, it'll take judgment away from it. You kind of take power away from that lens. So true. And uh, just... I just think it's a great thing to share. I agree. I love that. <laughs> you talked about um, sharing the fact that you and your husband didn't want to have children, mm-hmm. but then you now do. Talk yeah. me through. Talk me through that journey. Um, what age were you when you got married? Twenty four. Twenty five. Twenty five, and your husband was thirty six. Okay, so you decided at that point you didn't want to have children, or you oh, spoke I, about it before. I decided way before. Oh wow! I think uh, what's really strange is I've always been a very baby person. Okay. I'm the person all my friends and cousins will leave their kids with to really take care of them. Okay. And I can take, like, I can do everything for a kid from, like, changing the nappy to feeding them to burping them. And I've been like this since my early teens. Right. Even earlier, to be honest. Okay. Um, My brother, the older brother that I mentioned some time ago, also has two kids who I, I used to live with. Obviously, we used to live together before... Uh, I got married and moved out. Right. As is normal with all Indian families. Yes. Where it's one big family <laughs> that lives under a roof, right? Um, so I have pretty much helped to whatever extent I could. My brother, sister-in-law and all of us to kind of raise the two kids. He's a son and a daughter. Um, so I've always been a very baby person. Somewhere in my late teens, I think I decided I don't want to have kids. Because I had this... I had this whole idea and I still do do have that idea. So it's not like I've, you know, I'm not changing facts on it. I do think that for the environment, it would be a lot better if just we, if we could bring down that population somehow, it would be great. Um, So it's not like I'm changing the fact that that was the ideology I went in with. Right. Um, And my, that was a big filter also when I met my husband and I was like, I don't want to have kids. And he was like, your body, your choice. Sure. We're very pro-adoption. Wow. So, how did it change? I want to say the pandemic started to change my mind. I've always been a very family first person, always. Like, every one of my friends who's known me since childhood, or if they've known me for a year, Mm -hmm. they know that if I have to pick between a friend's night out or a family night in even, I will choose the family night. Anytime, any day. Um, I just think that the pandemic kind of changed my mind in a way where I thought that it would be nice to have a kid. There were many different filters. Again, I can't specifically pinpoint to a moment per se. Mm. But I thought it would just be nice. Probably, I think it was to see a mini me. I don't know. <laughs> um, I do still stand by the fact that wanting to have kids, especially when you take the environment into consideration, is a selfish act. I'm not going to take away from that. Yeah. But I did somehow change my mind. Um, and I remember telling my husband this for the first time. And he was like... I still stand by it. You're absolutely your choice. Wow. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's one of those people who likes the fact that I'm in charge. Okay. So he's like, it's your, again, it's your body. You decide. You want to adopt, we adopt. You want to have a kid, you know, we'll have a kid. And I think somewhere along my mind changed. And I said, you know what? I think I'd like to see a mini me or a mini him at some point. And um, we got pregnant a couple mm-hmm. of months ago. And I actually had a miscarriage exactly three weeks ago from today. Um, so, again, it's something I've talked about because I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough. It was it was only when I started coming out and telling people what had happened because I'm never uh, MIA from the internet, <laughs> but I was for a while. And I had a lot mm. of followers who were checking in on me, whether it was through DMs, comments, 
I have a little closed group with them on chat for the people who I've known for a really long time through the internet. Um, and I, when I started telling people is when I realized, oh my God, this happens a lot more frequently. Miscarriages are a lot more common mm. than I thought at least. Um, and that's when I decided to talk about it on social media. And I said, you know what? I think I should put this out there because there could be somebody else who's going through a similar thing and and is possibly feeling as lonely as I am because you can have the best support system and the best partner in the world but that feeling is yours to keep unfortunately I've spoken to a lot of women who have, who have kind of gone through it as well and they've all said the same thing people only realize after they've been through it and after they've shared that there are so many women that go through it. I think miscarriage is one in four women. How did you, it's, it's so raw at the moment, how did you kind of jump and talk about it? There were two people in my life who I'm very close to, very, very close to. So you kind of assume you know what's going on in these people's lives because mm. they're so close to you. And both of them opened up and told me about their miscarriages for the first time. Wow. And these, I was very shocked because I, it's one of those things where you think you know this person because you've been close to them for as long as 20 years and um, I think that shook me up a bit mm. and I said if I didn't know this detail about you, I feel like I need to share because then there's all the more reason to talk about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm kind of glad I shared it while it was raw and while it was fresh because I got so many unique perspectives. Really? Mm -hmm. Like what? Women sharing their stories, women telling me about their miscarriages, women telling me about how they went on to have healthy babies after the miscarriage, and women telling me about how they're still trying to conceive after the miscarriages. I feel like it opened up a very... Uh, you never think something like this, like you never anticipate for bad things to happen to you or to anybody right of course when I found out I was pregnant I was thrilled I was jumping with joy so when you don't even it doesn't even cross your mind that mm. this could potentially happen to you mm -hmm. so you never think that this is going to be a lived experience you're going to share but the fact that I was asked just earlier today what my favorite thing about being a woman is and I said that it was it was the sisterhood it's that somebody you don't know you've never met yeah can comfort you in ways that sorry no. can just comfort you in ways that you didn't know that you needed and that you wanted and it is what it is oh Wanna god take I a need minute tissues. of course <laughs> i brought some out are oh, they just there are you okay yeah i'm fine i'm fine it just it's still fresh and it's it's part of my journey, you know, that's the thing. I feel like a lot of people hide it because they feel like it's um, like it's almost something you shouldn't talk about or something that will scare other women. Right. That is also an angle that I got. Um, but I feel like... I feel like just living your truth is the only way to be. I don't know any other way of doing it. That's so lovely. I'm sure by, by you sharing that you helped a lot of women as well because what you've just said is around sisterhood and I think people are scared to share. People are scared to talk around, you know, I do this and I do that. And throughout this podcast, you've been very open about one thing. The fact that you are uh, the breadwinner, 
the fact that your husband is working with you, the fact that, you know, you're very strong. Has that ever kind of gone against you? Because I'm so worried that people, um, okay, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I asked that question. Growing up, I've never been someone who wants to um, be different, I guess, from my brother or, I grew up with three boys. And I remember when I used to say, you know, why can't the boys help? Someone would say, you're gonna treat your husband like that. And I was like, what? And I was always played as this villain. You know, if I stood my ground, I was a villain. If I am strong, then I am too masculine. I should be more feminine and, you know, I shouldn't be so dominant. I shouldn't be so overbearing. And I think I've heard this a lot with women who are very strong and dominant and, and powerful that, God, I feel so sorry for her husband, you know? Uh, I've been there. It's right. not like I haven't. Right. I mean, I, I remember this one random comment I think some relative made when I couldn't make rotis as a teenager saying, uh, you know, Sasural Jaigi to Kya Karegi, which is yes. when you go to the husband's house, what are you going to do there? But you know, the thing is, it has a lot to do with, I think, your parents. Mm. I, I come from a, I genuinely, I come from a household where my parents just let me be me unabashedly. There never has been a difference in the way they treated my brother and I. Wow. Um, I was allowed to do the same things he was. In fact, my brother is the more traditional one between <laughs> the two. So I think I got away with a lot more than he, yeah. than he did. But um, I think that has a lot to do with with what you're told or how you're raised. Like, okay, so I remember this, this instance when I think I was in the 7th or 8th grade. And I remember saying to my mum, oh, maybe I was in the 7th or 8th grade, maybe I was in the 4th or 5th standard. Because I said to her that uh, I can't be a princess because, you know, I was always, I was actually strangely even deeper. I think over the years, my skin has opened up a bit with no conscious effort whatsoever. Wow. But I used to be a much more duskier child if you look back at my photos. And she, um, and I said, because I'm so dusky, princesses are supposed, and I had short hair. So I would say princesses are supposed to have long hair and be fair and be delicate. And while I was delicate and skinny as hell, I used to get called a toothpick all the time. My body journey is a whole other conversation. Um, I was also the kid in school when there was a lizard coming into the class or a cockroach or a cat. I was the one who would go usher it out because I've never really been scared of those things. Wow. So I remember saying to my mom, I'm a lot tougher than, you know, my friends, my peers at the time. And I remember my mother saying this to me, and it clearly left an impression because I remember it so many years later. She said, princesses can be anything they want to be. You don't need saving. You can save your own ass. So get to it and do what you want. Wow. And I think that's also why somewhere I give everything I am the credit to my mom. Mm. I really do credit her for everything because she truly just let me be. Yeah. She truly just let me be. I, I was disciplined in the sense that uh, maybe because I was given so much freedom, I never found the need to act out. Yes. Because I was a hard worker. I've always enjoyed academics. Um, I started working very early and I always wanted to prove myself. Mm. Not because I needed to, but because I wanted to. But I never consciously wanted to be different or be the same. or That was never the end goal. Yeah. I just wanted to be me and do things that made me happy. Even when I started blogging, and again, this is 2011, so they didn't really know what blogging was. Yeah. My mom just thought it was, she takes pictures and posts them on Facebook. Okay, cool, you do you, you know. Um, I think she realized the legitimacy of my job when there was an episode um, 
that channel we did on my life they were doing episodes wow. on you know people in unique careers mm mm-hmm. and they followed me around for 24 hours and made an episode on my life and i think that's when she realized oh wait like she's legit in whatever she's doing i don't get it but okay it's a legit job being being an influencer is it comes with so many strengths but also it comes with so many people saying it's not a real job it's not you know professional uh, it's not that difficult all of this stuff you touched upon something around your body and you said that's a journey in itself Me, my body has changed in the last 7 months because i have been a little bit more stressed i'm running around a lot more and i'm not complaining i i'm very someone who's definitely has adhd anyway and so i'm running from like one place to another and my my cousin the other day said i was like a pixie she said one minute you're here and the next minute you're there she's like you're, you're like running all around she's like this is why i was so skinny and i've noticed a significant change in my body where i've lost a lot of weight in the last 8 months not consciously by genuinely just working a bit much but i'm okay with it because i think you know it's fine you know you have periods in your life where you're going to be optimum performance and somewhere you're not but a lot of people feel the need to comment now generally i don't get a lot of hate either apart from on tiktok which is thank god is banned in india because people are honestly like on one on tiktok okay you can't post anything on there without someone being a lunatic but people comment a lot around body around the way i look and and all of this stuff but i'm putting myself out there so of course they're going to Talk to me about your journey with with your body and, and sharing that on social media. So, um, up until the age of twenty four ish, maybe twenty three ish, I'm a little confused on the exact timeline. Mm-hmm. I was really skinny. When I tell you I was really skinny, I was like I was forty kilos. Huh? Yeah, I was like I was forty kilos. I wasn't even like I was what you call size zero. I was literally there. No, that's like zero zero zero. Yeah, I was something Gosh. like that. I was really really skinny. And then truth be told, I don't know what happened, but I started gaining weight. I joke and say this when someone asks, you know, because sometimes people are like, "What happened to you?" and I'm like, "Okay, first off, thanks." Yeah, okay, rude. Um, but I've always been a very unhealthy eater all my life. And the thing is, it didn't show for those many years. And I joke and say that there was this rubber band that is just now it's broken. Mm. <laughs> so now everything I eat shows. Unfortunately, Why? I still have a fairly unhealthy diet. I try to balance things out um as I touch 30, but it's a process. Mm. And then the pandemic wasn't helpful to me either. I mean in a way of course I feel like I should be grateful because there was so much there was much worse stuff going on all around the world. Of I course. was lucky to be able to be sitting home and gaining weight if you look at it like that. You know what I mean? but i did gain a lot of weight in the lockdown which and when i say a lot of weight i mean i think i gained like 20 kilos 20 something kilos which is a lot obviously mm-hmm. and um again i feel like because you're married and because you're gaining weight and because i became like punchy i started getting a lot of comments about are you pregnant um in that same phase and in that same year i lost two people who were very very close to me mm. um and i'm i've realized i'm a little bit of a stress eater okay which did me no favors right so i've gone from being a zero or as you said triple zero <laughs> <laughs> to like a size 12 mm-hmm. and my audience has seen that change so while the older audience knows and sees that you know hey she's just gained weight let her be yes there is the newer audience that'll be like oh wait are you pregnant or oh wait are you this and the thing is those comments weren't triggering for me per se it's in the last 3 weeks that i've now started finding them triggering yeah. and i'm like okay wait 
now I'm not in the headspace for it. So I don't want to see this. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't know how to deal with it now. And for the first time, I'm probably in a situation where I'm like, oh my God, is something affecting me because of my job? So I'm taking a few steps back and saying, okay, let's recalibrate and figure out how I can stay away from this situation. This is why it's so important not to ask, are you pregnant? Are you having a child? Do you want another one? Why are you not, what, what, just don't ask these questions. When are you getting married? Are you having a child? When's your next one coming? Aren't they going to be lonely? Don't you feel upset? Don't and, you want more children? Just and, don't ask the question. And not just online. Don't ask it offline either. Of course. Like just don't ask. So when I, when I'm at weddings and I see somebody asking someone else and this is a relative of mine who's asking someone else, oh really, it's okay, you guys have been, so when are you getting married? And I'm like, no. <laughs> You don't have to answer that. Yeah. You shouldn't have asked that. And I exit myself from that situation because I'm like, this is not okay. We Good need to be at a point in time when... And the funny thing is they only ask the women. It's nobody so ever, annoying. Nobody ever goes up to the guy and says, so when are you getting married? How are you going to balance work, <laughs> work and, and having a child? And I just think that we get so much unsolicited advice mm-hmm. and so much unsolicited questioning. And it's... It is what it is, yeah. but you also have to be able to take a stand and say, this is where I'm drawing my boundary. Right. And it's important for more women to, to be drawing those boundaries because otherwise you just kind of, you get egged on in whatever direction they want you egged on in. It's so true because the thing is, is you never know what someone's going through. And like you said, you're really strong and you've been able to block out those comments. And prior to these three weeks, those comments didn't bug you. So someone could say, you know, oh, they did. I mean, they did from the point of view, like, get over it. Yes. I'm punchy. Big but, deal. But not, but not in the point of, like, you know, it's really upsetting you. No, it, it didn't upset me, but, you know, it would upset anybody else. Exactly. You know what I mean? But um, that's my point, right? Like, people have thought, okay, well, you're strong. It's not going to upset you that yeah. much, right? Like, these comments, we've been saying them for years. It's not going to, like, you know, make you lose sleep. But how are people meant to know if you didn't share about your miscarriage? Let's just say you didn't share. Yeah. How are people meant to know? They're not. And the point is, is that you just shouldn't say it in the first place because you don't know what circumstances have changed for that person. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's happened in their life that one day something was, wasn't upsetting them and now it is. Yeah. So just avoid it in the first place. 100%. You can't ask someone constantly every single minute, you know, has this happened to you? Has this happened to you? Like, you don't know what the future is going to hold for that person. I think some of this also just comes from the point of view of, um, as Indians, we love to get up in everybody's businesses. I'm sure it happens yes, the world over. It's true. But especially here, we love to tell people and women especially um, what to do, mm. when to get married. This is your advice. Like, like I have, um, I have female friends, friends right. from school who are still not married, not right. in serious relationships. And then sometimes they'll talk about things and be like, um, oh, you're the last one left. Tera number kab You know, when's your turn? And I'm like, you know what? If there's any advice I'm actually going to give you, freeze your eggs. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Whether you choose to use those eggs, not use those eggs, your call. Right. Just get that done and out of the way. And whatever pressure everyone else is putting on you mm. is now their problem. You know, I, I say this very often in, in your life. I say, this is a you problem. This isn't a me <laughs> problem. So this is, this is a you problem. How are you okay with saying that? Because I think a lot of people who are watching and listening to this are probably thinking, you're so strong. But, you know, when I speak like that, I love that phrase, by the way. I'm like, that's a you problem. But people see me as sometimes cold. If I assert a boundary, it's not favored upon. 
but that's because people so it's we, we the most modern and the most liberal people you will find um the filter in over there because the minute they see a woman setting that boundary mm -hmm. it's not a it's not a, a general anyone setting boundary thing it's a woman setting boundary thing mm. unless we train these people in our lives to think and say that hey it is what it is again it's a you problem yeah you have to be able to train it that way like for example uh, did i hear more aggressive comments when i was younger sure at some point um like like i said about the roti comment that i mentioned earlier but i feel like as the new generation which we were i guess in our teens not now when i'm in my 30s but it is also our responsibility somewhere to tell and train and educate the older lot on what's so okay true. and what's not okay because if you don't tell them how will they know mm. today i have a 10 year old nephew and he uses terms that gen z and gen alpha are using which are like really cool and really cute but i can't keep up so yeah. unless you tell me how am i going to be clued into what's okay and what the new normal is mm. somewhere we also need to be able to say hey listen this was great at your time tumhare zamane mein chalta tha it worked at your time it doesn't work now you can't go around asking people you've been married for 6 years why don't you have a kid it's not okay to say that so true they could be struggling they could have chosen to be child free she could have had a miscarriage it could be anything mm. so we also need to train them <laughs> to think differently so you've now created a brand for yourself haven't you yes tell me about it well my brand is my baby as i say <laughs> my second baby because the first one's the blog right um i took Four years to be able to launch Verified. Wow! Because I started ideating on it and conceptualizing what I wanted it to be in 2017. Okay. And uh, it is a self-funded bootstrap brand, so I knew mm -hmm. I wanted to save capital and kind of do this on my own. Right. Um. It was the vision behind wanting to have a brand like Verified was that uh, as someone who would have to mix several different products to find a shade that worked for me. and when you look back at 5 years ago even though where where indians even indian brands didn't have shades that were suitable across all skin tones wow. they still sometimes struggle with that it's just starting to come on because mm. i think social media should be credited for that we've been all given that platform to talk about things that make us happy and upset us both right yes um so i have been working on it very silently for about 4 years before i launched it in october 2021 and uh We're a little over a year old. I have about sixty-eight SKUs out, unique wow. SKUs out. Our categories range from lipsticks, blushes, highlighters, fragrances, uh, tools. Uh, to one of our, I think, best-selling products has been our Verified IRL Paris Filter Airbrush Powder. Wow! Which we sold out a couple of times over in under two three hours. No way! Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's essentially this. blurring um you know powder that mattifies your face and doesn't mattify it in a way that it looks like you have product on it um it gives you the most smooth filter like you know mm. which is why the name IRL Paris filter are you wearing it now I'm always wearing it. Look, you because your skin is phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. And is it where is it available? So we sell on our website verified.in worldwide. Uh we are hoping to get worldwide somewhere in the middle of this year, the second Good. half of this year. The amount of licensing and paperwork that goes into the makeup side of things is I've unbelievable. Um uh, but we're we're shipping pan India as of right Amazing. now. Amazing.
Amazing. Well, you know, I'm so inspired by your journey. I think you've, you've shared so much so openly and I think that's so rare for people to come on here and share their deepest, darkest moments and I'm really grateful for that. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me and having these conversations. My pleasure. Everyone, and thank you so much for listening and watching this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could please press the follow, like and subscribe button, it would really mean the world to me.